As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. And it's all that we know, it's the way give all that we got, BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Today's episode is presented in part by ThisIsBracketRacing.com, host of the fourth annual ThisIsBracketRacing.com off-season practice tree challenge. Sign up for free at ThisIsBracketRacing.com slash practice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Good to be back with you guys. Uh, Good to have some racing action to talk about this week. We've actually got some on-track action to cover, some NHRA racing as those guys got started out in Pomona. Got some local bracket racing to talk about as well, some Division Two stuff. So we're looking forward to covering some actual racing action, which is what we're all about here. And we've got a guest this week, which this guy is always super popular, and we're very excited. We're going to talk to Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham, just to chat with him a little bit about what he's got going on this year, what his plans are, and uh, some of the things that he brings to us each and every week through video. I want to talk to him about some of that stuff as well. Looking forward to talking to Hot Rod. Luke, that's uh, that's going to be a heck of an interview, Hot Rod always is. I can't wait. And we've been, I mean, we're finally giving the people what they want here, Jed. We've been teasing. <laughs> Hot Rod's going to come on the show with us for six months, a year. So today's the day. Um, 
normally I'd be excited, Jed, because we've got racing to talk about. You know, after after yeah. two months, we we've got the Winter Nationals, we've got that opener at uh, Division Two opener down at Orlando, uh, Big Dollar Brackets down in Belrose, which is cool. And like, I'm sure the people that were there, and particularly the people that had success, are anxious to hear us talk about it. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to take anything away from that or diminish the people that won, but like, there's no great stories that came out of there. Like, nobody got kicked out for excessive braking. Um, <laughs> nobody like ran the table or was better than 005 every time they let go. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I'm here for the stories. So, best I can come up with is something along these lines. Like the the story of the week, Big Jed, is a story of redemption, revenge, maybe. Okay, yeah. and admittedly I, I might be grasping a little bit here but a couple of guys that are probably gener- generally recognized as if not the very best in what they do certainly like on the very very short list of being the very best at what they do yeah. one on the top bulb um one on the bottom bulb and both of the racers that i'm going to talk about here had like by their standards subpar seasons in 2018 um and both had awesome starts to their 2019 season just within the last couple of weeks. The first is John LaBoost Jr. We know about what Little LaBoost did in 2017, one of the most impressive um, NHRA sportsman seasons really ever, Uh, certainly if it hadn't been overshadowed a little bit recently by Jeff Strickland and Justin Lamb. That year, um, LaBoose won the Supergas World Championship in an epic down-to-the-wire battle um, with Chris Cannon, and he also finished second in Supercomp, just put together an amazing season. Again, his 2018 season was quiet by his standards. He came out swinging, Big Jed, uh, at the Orlando Division II event. Little John held the trophy in Supergas. on the strength of a really impressive performance, like the box score looks good. Um, not that the lights were like stellar. It wasn't like he was low double O every run, but his best was 10. His worst was 15. And when you look at it on the box score, it's really impressive because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 15 the first three rounds. And then I doubt this is what actually happened, but I can just say I, say, you know, looking at the box score, like, oh, why, why be 15? I should just pull five thou out. So he pulls his five thou out, and then he's 10, 10, and in the final he missed it, he was 11. <laughs> right? Pretty good grouping, right? Not um, bad. And in meanwhile, um, during that, in fact, let me pull this up so I've got it in front of me. In addition to winning Super Gas, he nearly doubled. Um, he made it to the semis in Super Comp and lost on just a nasty run. I think he was six, get a thou or two behind to lose a double breakout, both 89. I could have easily gone um, the other way, and he'd be holding two trophies after one weekend. So a long way to go in the 2019 title chase, but John LaBoose Jr. off to an impressive start. Yeah, very impressive start for him. And uh, again, as you said, uh, not a terrible year last year, but definitely not uh, the standard that he's used to. And it looks like he is getting back to that very quickly, off to a great start. And could be another one of those years for a little caboose. We'll see. Yeah, definitely starting off that way. And then the other side, I said that there was two uh, that we wanted to focus on. Little John, obviously, uh, at the at the top of his game um, in the top bulb slash pro tree ranks. 
on the bottom ball, another guy that is generally recognized as, if not the best, uh, one of the best in the category nationwide, Lucas Walker. And Lucas, similar to Little John, didn't have a great um, 2018 by his standards. I think he'd be the first to admit that. He came out swinging as well um, at the Southern Big Bucks Nationals down in Bell Rose, Louisiana last weekend. Lucas won a $5,000 no box shootout to again start his season off the right way. I know you're a lot more familiar with Lucas and his accomplishments than am I, Big Jed. So I'll let you speak to that. Yeah, definitely. Lucas Walker is one of the best I've seen. Uh, he is definitely among the top guys in the in the game right now on the bottom bulb. Um, and I want to talk about when we talk about the race results later in the show, Luke, I want to mention uh, how Lucas went about that 5K no box shootout win to uh, <laughs> guys just really impressive. And uh, that'll that'll be uh, we'll, we'll cover that. Discuss, we'll discuss it as soon as we talk about the results. But now. As good as Lucas is, he travels with winners, too. And one of his buddies, if not his best buddy, had a huge weekend down in Bell Rose. And we're going to talk about that guy coming up really soon. Uh, David Bell was one of those guys as well that he traveled with. David Bell did well, but not as good as this week's BTE Who's Hot. He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. All right, as we mentioned uh, before the break there, this week's BTE Who's Hot is a good, really good friend of Lucas Walker's. And he traveled to Bell Rose as well to get his season started. And this gentleman came out with a win on Saturday and a runner-up on Sunday, which is a heck of a performance for anybody, but this was a talented field of bottom bulbers. I think about 115 strong, which is a very good crowd for uh, Cody and Johnny down there at that uh, at that event. And Charlie Lockhart traveled down from Kentucky and got it done on Saturday, runner up on Sunday. And this is a guy that that does this with some regularity too. And I'm not sure Charlie gets enough credit for how talented he is. I uh, love his approach. He goes up, does his deal, makes his run. He'll tell you, you know, if he if he didn't do well, if he didn't hit his target, Charlie's just a guy that's straight up honest with you. Don't make a lot of excuses, but he don't have to tell you that very often because he performs at a super high level on a regular basis. And a win down there and a runner-up back-to-back days, uh, just tremendous effort on his part and a great way to get his 2019 started and i expect to see a lot of that out of charlie going forward his equipment's great and his driving is always very very good so luke that was bell rose and charlie lockhart for this week's bt who's hot but as we talked about in the intro there was some more racing pomona i mean we got started at the big show the winter nationals out there in Pomona, california and there was a couple of guys that made some uh, memorable performances out there this week Sure. The NHRA season did kick off in Pomona. Um, just for the, a handful of East Coasters that went that way, expecting typical California sunshine, there wasn't a lot of that to be had, uh, my understanding. They had a lot of rain. Our field reporter, KB, texted me, hey, if they tell you it's beautiful in California, they're lying. <laughs> it's cold and it's raining. And it did a lot of that throughout the weekend. 
the bulk of eliminations in uh, certain, almost all the pro categories. And I think from quarterfinals on and every sportsman class had to be finished up on Monday. So long weekend for the guys out West, but they did end up getting it in. Big Jed going to, with all due respect to everybody that conquered the hollowed fair grounds in Pomona and held the Wally. We're going to try to get away from actually just reading off actual results and just try to stick to the bigger stories of the events throughout the season. So biggest stories from Pomona for me, Ryan McClanahan got the win in Superstock. That's on the heels, obviously, of his father's recent Stock Eliminator World Championship. His father, Brian, is the reigning NHRA Stock Eliminator World Champ. Ryan got the win in Superstock. He himself is a former NHRA World Champion, obviously starting 2019 off on the right foot. The other one that jumped out to me was Kevin Wright winning in Supercomp, and that's probably a familiar name to most of you that follow the 890 category. Kevin's had a, a fairly illustrious career in that class. I was surprised to see that this was Kevin's fourth national event win of his career. It was the third time that he won the Winter Nationals. I want to say the U.S. Nationals for some reason. I don't know that Kevin's even ever been to Indy. But it was the third time that he won the Winter Nationals in Pomona. And he laid down nine total in the final. It's interesting that all Kevin Wright does is win Super Comp at Pomona. Because the guy that he beat in the final is named Val Torres Jr. And the Torres name seems synonymous with domination at Pomona as well. If you remember, it was just a year ago that it was Gabe Torres getting the win over his father, Val Sr., in the Winter Nationals final. This year, they altered family members a little bit and bumped it up one round. Val Jr. defeated Val Sr. in the semifinals to earn a berth in the final alongside Kevin Wright. So the moral of this story, Big Jed, if your name is not Kevin Wright or something Torres... (laughs) might not be any use going to the Winter Nationals. No, that's very impressive. Uh, out of the Torres gang, I mean, that you know, those guys just go to finals and late round finishes there seeming every year. And then Kevin Wright, three out of his four national event wins have all come at the Winter, or three of those have come at the Winter Nationals, one elsewhere, obviously. Very impressive. Obviously, he feels at home at the Winter Nationals and uh, performs at a very high level not sure anybody could claim 75% of a, a good win total has come at the Winter National, so good for Kevin as well. Ryan McClanahan, what a great story there. Superstock win, that, that drama field last few races in stock last year was uh, quite fun to watch and see how it played out. So I'm sure Brian's very proud of Ryan for getting that Superstock win. That's a talented young man. Look for that to happen a lot more as the season progresses. To your point, Jed, of the racers that have won, say, three of their four national events at one specific facility, I'd say that in most cases, it's their home track. Like Kevin Wright's not from Anaheim, right? Kevin Wright's from Colorado. So it is it is interesting and sort of an anomaly that he would have so much success at that race, being it's the first race of the year, everyone's excited for it, and it's I don't even want to admit how ignorant I am to West Coast geography, but like Colorado is not close to Pomona, so a long way from home. <laughs> yeah, it is not close to Pomona. You're, you're right about that. You don't even have to be good at geography to figure that one out. But Luke, congratulations to all the winners. As you mentioned, there were a lot more winners out there. Great job by everybody getting their season started well at Pomona. But uh, we had a little race in action here in my division at Orlando in Division Two. 
Yeah, we did. Uh, first NHRA divisional event of the season in any division, and obviously then the first race for, what is it, the, the Southeast Rebels? Are they still the Rebels? Mm, I'm not sure if they're yeah. still the Rebels or not, but... Uh, yeah, we, we get a little political correctness. <laughs> might, not, might not be the case anymore. Whatever, it's Division 2. Orlando, we'll, we'll have Mark look that up. We'll shout it out at the end of the show. Things that stood out to me from Orlando, Big Jed, and this race was actually a little over a week ago now as we record. It was the week prior to Pomona. Top sportsman winner Sandy Wilkins getting the win over Dylan Stott, and that seemed impactful because Sandy is not only like a perennial top 10 finisher, Sandy is a perennial championship contender. As, as we break down the points at or have broken down the points at at or towards season end the last two years, Big Jed. We've talked about Sandy Wilkins a lot. Each of the last two years, he was in position to make a run, uh, was involved in the points chase late in the year. And obviously, starting it off in 2019 with a win in Top Sportsman, you'd think that that bodes well for Sandy. Maybe this is the year that Sandy Wilkins hoists the trophy at the end of the season. He's certainly off to an excellent start. Yeah, great start by Sandy, as always. He usually starts fast and finishes strong. And uh, this is not in the show notes, Luke, but I think it's a really good time to mention, since Sandy Wilkins is part of our discussion a lot when we have NHRA pick'ems, that I think through our communication that maybe we're not going to bore the listeners with our picks for NHRA championships this year. So, uh, congratulations to me because it's something else I won't lose, and congratulations to the listeners for not having to, to hear that. But we're still very interested in hearing your breakdown as the points progress and those champions are starting to be determined later in the year. So don't don't think you're out of that. We're still doing that. Not to worry. I will go full-on nerd starting in probably August. That's coming. <laughs> so And congratulations to you, Jed, because you have been – relatively outspoken on your desire to not go through the Pick'em draft again. So that's cool. I'm fine with it. No, I'm sure that we will hear from the vocal minority because I know that there are eight to 10 of you listening that love the Pick'em, you know, and love the NHRA draft. So to you, we apologize. But to the rest of you, like Jed says, like, you just don't have to listen to that. I can't imagine that that's great listening. So yeah, probably we'll, not. We'll digress. We'll, we'll try to come up with better ideas in the future. Back to Orlando. We talked about top sportsmen. The other fast class or the other fast bracket class, I guess, as I should um, classify it, I think brought the best story of the event, although I admittedly I'm not that close to the story. So I won't dig too deep into it. But Maverick Palmatier, which, by the way, Jed, to steal your phrase, top 10 name. Like, oh, yeah. If people would call me Maverick Palmateer, I'd be all in for that. Maverick, Maverick. Maverick. Maverick, Maverick anything is cool. Yeah, but Palmateer has just got such a ring to it. I, I like it. So Maverick, 16 years old. It seems as though just doing a quick research that he's had a very illustrious and accomplished career in junior dragsters. And to, to that end, he did win the um, – advanced junior dragster title at Orlando, right? So good on him. He also won the top dragster category. Again, that's a pretty big swing. Advanced yeah, junior is, dragster to top dragster. Which is the advanced senior dragster <laughs> category. 
<laughs> well put, well put. Maverick is 16 years old. The A quick Google search, I found that he won the uh, Youngest Driver Award at last year's Million. Obviously, going fast in Top Dragster and doing it with a great deal of skill. Um, comes out atop the field in what I assume or what I believe may have been his first uh, appearance in the NHRA Top Dragster category. And then, like I say, to double it up to officially go Gage Birch on him with the win in junior dragster and a big car class and not just a big car class, but like the biggest big car class and top dragster. That's pretty impressive. And is if his day or weekend wasn't good enough in Orlando Maverick, in addition to hoisting the two trophies on his own was joined in the winner's circle by his younger brother, Wyatt, who also won the intermediate junior dragster category. So Palmateer domination in Orlando. Yeah, very impressive. Luke, I, I mean, he's 16 years old, obviously won the junior dragster category, still has uh, quite a bit of eligibility left there, a couple of years, and then you go win the top dragster category. I don't know what the field looked like in Orlando. I didn't look at the, the run sheets, but I would assume, you know, he had to have been going faster than 750 or so. Uh, so you get out of something that goes 790s in the eighth mile and the 750s in the quarter, and you still maintain the skill level to compete and win. That's uh, very impressive. So I would think young Maverick Palmateer is going to be somebody we talk about quite a bit going forward. It looks like he's got a bright future ahead. Yep, 729 dialing in the final. I'm looking at it right now. So, yes, uh, his top dragster uh, runs – Covers the quarter mile in less time than his junior dragster covers the eighth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be uh, that'd be a little different, but he made it all work out. All right, Big Jed, uh, big, big dollar bracket action. We touched on it a little bit earlier, talking about Lucas Walker and Charlie Lockhart on the bottom ball. But uh, our buddies uh, Cody and Cody Pollage and Johnny Ezel uh, hosted their annual early February event. I believe it's the Southern Big Bucks Nationals down in Belrose, Louisiana. I'll let you take the reins because the, the bracket stuff is maybe a little bit more your domain, Big Jed. What stood out to you from Belrose? Well, what stood out, obviously, was Charlie's performance. That was very impressive. Uh, Lucas Walker winning that no-box shootout. And I said earlier in the show that I would discuss his win over Thomas Holly in a little bit more detail, not only in the shootout, but he, he did it in the main event, too, and, and turned on quite a few win lights. But Lucas, as we all know, his car is used for a lot of photo ops with the front end pointed straight up in the air. He is known for his wheelies. They are uh, big and long. They will they'll go straight up and it'll carry a half track or more when he chooses to. And uh, that sometimes is by design. Unfortunately, at Bell Rose, it was not by design. He was trying to tame it. And the air was just too good. Obviously, that's sea level racing and possibly below at times. And the car was uh, doing violent wheelies. So Lucas decided midstream that he needed to roll it deep and leave high gear only. And not only was he competitive, I mean, his box score was very impressive. He was laying down some serious runs, as he always does, and propelled himself to the $5,000 no-box shootout win over the always tough again, as I mentioned, Thomas Holly. But uh, other than that, you know, a former million-dollar winner, Nathan Martin, got a 10K win there. Uh, Stephen Lowry and Hunter Patton squared off in a final. Stephen's Hunter's boss, so that was a cool final round. Bad Brad Clark with a 10K win. And our old buddy, 
Cool Seminole got the win over Charlie Lockhart when Charlie runnered up on Sunday. And good to see Cool back out doing his thing. Perry Como getting a win as well over Corey Galitti, which uh, we've talked about Corey quite a bit over the last several months. So some uh, big-time racers down there getting some big-time wins. Uh, congratulations, Cody and Johnny Brackett Racer. I think they had uh, roughly 115, 120 in each category, Luke, uh, for the weekend. Good turnout for them. Great race, and looks like everybody had a wonderful time. So congrats to all involved in that. Let's circle back a little bit to, to Lucas because it's impressive enough to win a five-grander among that field. I didn't realize that he basically had to reinvent the wheel in order to get there. Do you know, Jed, if that's something that he had ever done in the past? Uh, I did see him do that one time last year. I think he did it when we went down to Emerald Coast to Rob Reynolds' uh, footbrake race in November. I think Lucas had to do it there as well. was competitive, but... To my knowledge, that's the only two times he's done it. And, you know, his car is super fast. I think he was probably going 540s down there in the Mustang and, you know, 608 at 120 miles per hour without a wheelie. Had to be a pretty good time for him and pretty difficult for his opponent to get a good look at what was going on over there. So it's maybe something we see more out of him going forward. Yeah, necessity is the mother of invention, and uh, just that level of adaptability, I don't I don't think that that's something that most racers would even attempt, much less accomplish with the skill that Lucas did. Big Jet, I feel like we've put this off long enough. This was our way to manipulate the listener into hearing the first, what, 25, 30 minutes of this week's show? Yeah. I think it's time to give them what they want. I agree. I think we're ready, too. So we're going to uh, catch up here very soon with hot rod rodney fincham and uh, we'll wind him up and turn him loose and let him keep you guys entertained for a little bit so look forward to talking to hot rod here in the next segment so y'all stay with us I want to thank everybody for tuning in to make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available subscribe and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. Dot com.
The fourth annual thisisbracketracing.com off-season practice tree challenge will kick off on Monday, February 18th. What is the challenge? It's a free month-long program in which myself and my co-instructors within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, that's two-time world champion Kevin Brannon and five-time world champion Justin Lamb, we share our own practice exercises and routines on a daily basis, every single weekday for four weeks. Within it, we challenge racers within the program to participate and share their results with the group every single day. I'm confident that we can teach you something new. Along the way, we'll all get a little bit better and we'll have some fun at the same time. To join the off-season practice tree challenge, which again is 100% free, simply visit thisisbracketracing.com slash practice and sign up today. It's time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. All right, guys. As promised, Luke couldn't have put it better, and that's we need to give you what you want. And giving the listeners what they want is definitely about to happen. This guy gets requested to be on. We, we get a lot of requests that get Rodney Fincham on the show, just let him talk. We don't care what he talks about. We just want him to talk. We love it, too, and it is great to have my good friend, Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham, joining us tonight. Hot Rod, how are you, bud? Well, I tell you what, it's a little cool up here in Tennessee. It's a little warmer down your way. We're dying to get down that way and uh, get a little bit more warm weather, but uh, we can't complain. Fast and Fincham and uh, everything we got going on for 2019 uh, just looks so promising. You know, uh, I'm not going to have any excuses this year of why I couldn't get it done or why I should have got it done. It'll be more like, well, we can't blame it on nothing but me. But, you know, here we are, and uh, 2019's right upon us. You know, winter seems long, but it's so short when you got as many things to do as I had to do. So uh, how about you? How you been doing, Jed? Oh, been doing well. I couldn't complain at all, if, even if I wanted to. And uh, I've enjoyed watching your updates and the things you got going on with Angel Dust, which for those that don't know, Angel Dust is the name of your race car. It's been a family car for God knows how long. I'm sure you can tell us exactly. But all right, that, just let's get it started with what I wanted to start with. And that leads us right to it. So you have become an Internet sensation especially for the racing community and the videos that you do in car. I'm talking about live action. You lead the start. Now, will you take us all the way from the from the staging lanes through the burnout to when the shifter is set and your FTI converter has got the right RPMs on it and you go take us all the way to the starting line and through the run, you even will tell us what you feel like you were and you'll miss it from time to time. For the most, for the most part, you are really close you you know your spot tell us how that started Rodney I mean really because I've known you a long time and I, I haven't known you to be a guy that that had a desire to be on camera but obviously something clicked with you and you said you know what I'm gonna start doing this right here what what started it well you know that all goes all the way back to mom you know I, I'm at the racetrack down in Knoxville Dragway this has been some 15, 20 years ago, you know, like I was sort of doing this a long time ago. There's, there just was no social media. There was nothing for me to show anybody, you know, and 
people are like, there's no way you've done all that and blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't do that while you're racing. There's no way, you know. And I'd be telling these stories, you know, and they're basically calling me a liar in a sense. You know, you can't do that. And so my mom called me one night. I'm pulling on the racetrack at Knoxville Dragway, and I always left my phone in the truck. But for some reason, it's on me. It's vibrating. It's aggravating me. I'm pulling on the racetrack for the first round, you know, and I look at, I, I'm, I'm going to cut it off and I look at it. And it's my mama. You got to answer mama's phone call. You know what I mean? How, how can I explain to her that I'm not going to answer it? And so anyhow, I answer the phone call and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm pulling on the racetrack, mama, for the first round. She said, well, I'll call you back. I said, no, you just hang on. I shoved that phone up my helmet. And I proceeded on with everything you end up been seeing. You know, I tell her everything from the bleach box. So I'm staging. He's a staging. The trees are coming. I leave. I think I've ripped it. And I just rattle that on and win the round, you know. And so at the end of the run, I can't hear her, obviously, you know. And, and I get down there and I get this thing shut off. And I'm coasting. And I'm telling her everything I thought I'd seen. And she's crying. I said, Mom, you all right? She can't catch her breath from laughing. And, uh, <laughs> so that got it started she said you really won that round and i said yeah she said but you talked to me the whole time I said, well mama i do it anyway i just this time i had a reason to be a dude you know i wasn't talking to myself <laughs> and she's like well how did you do that and I said, well i don't know i'm just reminding myself not to forget this or not to forget that you know and then when i leave you know i always try to determine did you hit that or did you miss it or you know do you got a chance and so, and then when you go through the traps, it's like, now you just seen all this, you know what I mean? Win or lose. And then you're like, oh gosh, man, the wind light didn't come on, man. I thought I was double O right there, man. That was tight. Did I give that back or, you know? Sure. And so one thing led to another. It was one phone call after another. Bracket World Finals in 2005. You know, I'm sitting in the finals. I'm so nervous. I'm wanting to throw up. And they all the racetrack down from one end to the other right in front of me. And so now what do you do? I mean, I'm going to open, open the door and throw up. And now we've got about 20 minutes to wait. And of all people that come to mind, Michael Spall from North Carolina uh, came to mind. And I call him. He's like, man, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting in the finals here, bracket world finals up here in Jackson, South Carolina. He said, do what? I said, I'm sitting in the finals. He said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. I said, you know, they pulled the track down in front of me. And I said, I'm a little nervous. I need to talk to somebody. He said, well, you're going to have to hang up and call somebody else because I'm nobody. I said, well, you're the one. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're peas to pod. And so long story short there, I get runner-up. I get just wore out by Richard Newman in the run. But but I never let him hang up. You know, when we crank the race cars, he's like, man, you know, I'll let you go. I said, just hang on, son. And so he plays me like a fiddle. Richard Newman just runs over me like I spin when I leave. And imagine that, you know, with this nine-second a car with a, a 1432 tire on it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I spin when I leave. But I had the old reliable nitrous, the cheap nitrous. I run that thing on a two barrel and I had the back two barrels hooked up on a choke cable. So I leave out and this thing spins and, and I know I've not got a shot because I've let it get by. I've blowed the tires off. And the only thing I've got left is the back two barrels. So, uh, I had this thing automatically shifting, so I immediately reach and grab that thing, and I tell him as I'm doing it, and he knew what the choke cable was all about. I said, got the choke cable wide open, baby, and here we come, you know. So 
I'm riding down through there. I've picked up about four or five hundredths by this point, and I still can't get to the finish line first. So that's how bad the run was for me. So I go down there and, and set him on his head. I park him off, and I lose. And But I call that run within thousands. You know, like I tell him everything that I seen, what I thought I was, and what I thought he took, and everything that I'd done. And I didn't miss it, in all honesty, when we got the ticket. I was within nine fouls from the time I had hit the gas to the time he had beat me. And so there you go again. And then then Jeff Lambert in Armed Forces Racing at the beginning of 2018 tells me that I need to start up my own page, you know. And I said, well, I'd do that, but I can't even spell it, much less do it. So uh, Jeff Lambert, God help him, you know what I mean, took me on his shoulders and started me what is called Fast and Fincham's Facebook page, and the rest is history. It just, people just jumped on it. They loved what I was doing. You know, I had a little bit of success doing it, you know, and that was the part that people have a hard time getting. It's like, it's one thing to do it, but it's another to do it and still win doing it. Yes. And, it that seems to add a lot of difficulty to me. It seems like when you didn't win, it seemed like it'd be a good excuse to put that away and say it distracted you, but you, you never do. You just use it and get better. Well, and, and that's why I enjoy it so much because every run is a test, you know, and I test myself, whether you won or lost, if you didn't see it right, then, then you're just in left field. Doesn't matter that you won. If you didn't yeah. see that right, you're not going to win very often if you can't see it right. I just take every run, and and the thing of when I lose, it, it's funny. Obviously, when I win, everybody's good winners. I go nuts and get ballistic, and the story really gets good, you know. And then when I lose, it's like, oh, man, I still got to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're rolling down through there wanting to beat your head on the rollbar, but yet, you know, I still got to tell this story and and try to make you know make sense of it. And so there you have it. Without Jeff Lambert and armedforcesracing.org, I don't know that Fast and Fenton would have ever got as popular as it has. And I owe a lot of the thanks to him, along with a lot of other people. But he is the one that started Fast and Fenton on a social media path. I owe him all the thanks for it. I'm glad that you brought that up because I want to circle back and get to Jeff a little bit later in this interview and everything that he's doing. But I love, and I know we've had this conversation in the past, like I love watching your videos. I mean, obviously for the entertainment value because you're just, you're fun, period. But I just like that you are able to share and articulate basically everything that I'm thinking in the race car myself. You know what I mean? To actually be able to verbalize it. Kind of like you said, you get those people say there's no way that you thought all of that like yeah just look at Rodney like that's that's what we're doing going down the racetrack with that in mind and you knew that just from from doing this with your mom and and doing it with Mr. Spa and like you knew that people enjoyed listening to this to some extent but when you started off with this page did you ever dream that it would get the following that you've got today absolutely not and I'm still shocked you know, that the uh, reception that people give me, I'm no different than I was 15 years ago when still driving the same old hot rod, still pulling with the same old truck. 
still turning on the same amount of wind lines. But social media and, and what I'm able to bring to that has just absolutely blown me away. Like, yes, I never would have imagined that I could pull in at a racetrack and people would actually want to come down and meet me and introduce their self and want to hear one of my stories. For years, you know, we'd huddle up and tell a good story, you know, we'd all laugh about it, blah, blah, blah. But this is different. Like, you know, nationwide, it's like they can't get enough, you know, and I'm like, really? You know, but then when I sit and think of it, in all honesty, and I sort of wonder, how did you just do that and talk about it? I don't know. You know what I mean? And and that's the good part about it, because I just say or do what is on my mind. And like you said, Luke, every one of us are doing it every run. Like at some point, whether you won or lost, you tried to analyze what just happened. And somehow or another, I'm able to do it. And, and it helps me that I'm running a, an eight-second car. It gives me just a little bit of time to think about it. <laughs> so, so, you know, there's pauses to everything. And uh, But, yeah, I never would have imagined that this would get as big as it has, you know. And I'm blessed and fortunate that it has. Well, part of the reason people gravitate to you so much is because especially when you're putting yourself out there like you do, people can tell real quick what's real and what's fake. Ain't nothing fake about you, Hot Rod. It's 100% real. It's not, you don't have a camera approach and an off-camera approach. You're the same guy either way. And I think people feel that and they get it and they, they just really enjoy what you do because you're so real and you're doing it. You know, this ain't talking bad about you. You know that because I love you. You're doing it in less than conventional equipment. You know, just out here doing your thing as inexpensively as you can. And you're doing things that people say, you know, you can't compete in. You're not supposed to have the same truck for 15 or 20 years. You're not supposed to go out there and go 786 every time and the cars can't repeat doing that, but you work on your craft a lot. You work on it very hard, and you're so real, and I think that's why everybody loves it, man. I think that's why everybody just can't get enough of Heston Fincham. That very thing there is what I get the most enjoyment out of. Like, I'm glad that I can show that you don't have to have everything in the world to be competitive. What you got to have is heart, dedication. And, you know, and the want to, you know, you got to want it and it's never easy. I don't care if you've got every piece in the world, no matter what you have, it takes all those things, but it doesn't take, and it's, it's why we bracket race. It doesn't take the most expensive things to be competitive. And, and I'm glad that I can show that. And that's what, that's what I enjoy of it the most is those things that I, I seem to be able to show people that you can win with anything if you'll put the effort, the time, and the dedication in it. Yeah, you're, you're demonstrating what this sport was founded on, what, what this part of the sport was founded on. You're demonstrating that every time you leave the house and go to the racetrack. So, you know, I'm super proud of what you got going on and, and how you've turned this into something so popular uh, and I could tell Luke was wanting to ask a question here real quick, so we'll go to him. But quickly tell us, like, I feel like people are reaching out to you at a very high level right now and wanting to be a part of your program. Tell us how that's going. 
Yes, and that that's another thing that goes back to Jeff Lambert and, you know, the sponsor proposals and this and that. He has just taught me so much in that area. Like, you know, I just goes back to I can't thank Jeff Lambert and Armed Forces Racing enough for the wisdom, the direction that he's pointed me in, the advice that he gives me. In all honesty, I just don't think I could have gotten any of it without him, you know. So that's how important Jeff Lambert and what he's got going on, that's how important it is, you know, that he knows what he's doing and he's really good at it. And, you know, and then it's all about not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? And that's the aspect that he has pushed into me. And it has proven itself over and over and over. Yeah, that's all I was wanting to get at, Hot Rod, was talking about Jeff Lambert and I believe it's racesponsorships.net and what he's done. Because from afar, I have been so impressed with what he's been able to do in relatively short time. Because I've preached for years, like as sports and racers, you've got to, to, to be willing to build your own brand, so to speak, to some extent. And Jeff, I mean, obviously you're Exhibit A. In, in what he's been doing, but he, I see this stuff popping up where he's helping several sportsman bracket racers accomplish a similar goal in a variety of different ways. I'm just curious, like, what has it been like specifically working with Jeff? And you talked a little bit about how you've benefited from it, but I don't want to make this a, a racesponsorships.net infomercial necessarily, but tell us a little bit about what he offers and how other racers get involved with him. Like I said, he got all the wisdom in the world of how to approach people he's a genuinely good guy like you know and any product no matter who you are you know you want somebody to represent you that that's going to do it in a fine fashion and he helps point you in those directions you know the proper way to word it and how to talk about it and and these things you know something that a hillbilly like me has no clue you know i mean we're hucklebucking and you know, stuff like that. But yes, he, he generally wants to help. He's a guy that's doing great things for bettering, veterans, and, and he generally wants to help. You know, same way with me with these videos. I generally want to give back to my followers and, and bracket racing in general. This is bracket racing elite. And, you know, I want to give back. I, you know, I, I want to be, and that's one of the things that he's helped me and so many do. It's a tough sport. Any bit of the help we can get is huge in getting us to and from the racetrack, winning, losing. It makes the difference. It just really does. And the advertisement of it. And, and he's just so good at that. There's no wonder that he's helping people worldwide. And it's why he will continue to help people and grow. Uh, he's just uh, a mastermind at that. And uh, you get out of it what you put in it. And he puts in 120% or more always, no matter who it is and who he's talking to. Yeah, and I've, I've noticed that too, Hot Rod, watching his post and, and the things he says, making sure, and you said it earlier, it's not what the sponsor can do for you, but what you can do for them. And I can see that is a focal point for him. And he's, uh, he's helping a lot of people get some traction. But through your videos and, and the things that you've done, from a marketing standpoint or just putting putting it out there for fun or whatever, uh, you've brought so much awareness to 
our sport, either top or bottom bulb, because you've done some all of it. And I love what you're doing from that standpoint, because there's not enough people that would be willing to take that on. It's almost, I don't know, it's almost like a job. It's almost like you feel like you have to do it, but I know you're doing it because you want to do it. But not a lot of people would be willing to go through the steps you go through. You, you sit back there in the staging lanes and you tell us what's going on, who you're about to race, and give us the whole breakdown. And you obviously you've got some announcing in your background too, because you everybody knows you've done quite a bit of that and done it well and very entertaining. But you tell a great story from the time you get that camera on to the time you're done, and everybody's just in for the story. They all the same, but they're all different. And I just can't wait. And I know everybody feels the same way. Just can't wait to hear it and see it. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and here we go. You throw all the FTI. I, I can't say enough about FTI. You know, in, here I, I found a way to be competitive with, like you said, less than favorable conditions. But as you add these great parts, like, 2018 was just phenomenal. You know, I roll into the World Footbreak Challenge, obviously the race that you and Steve Stites puts on. And I know that Luke, uh, last year when I was on the podcast, you said something to the nature and all to the nature, not pulling your chain, but you and Steve have created the race for footbreakers. Like there's so many of them out there now, you know, blah, blah, blah. But still, yeah, as a true footbreaker, the World Footbreak Challenge is the one you want to etch in your resume. It just is. And so I rolled in there with one of the best race cars that I've personally owned. And it's because of FTI, Mickey Thompson, all of these supporting companies. I had the best race car I'd ever owned. And I had never came into that race with such a race car. Two years ago, I got the wheel jose's uh car and and i go to four with it and i did that because that was a phenomenal race car you know i mean you still got to put a driver behind the wheel he still has to hit his marks he still has to do things right but if you don't have a really good piece and that goes back with the time the effort and the want to then man these time and days you just don't outdrive people i mean you might get by with it a round or two yep but your luck's going to run out Great point. And, and so, with that being said, you know, I rode into the World Footbreak Challenge and, you know, I won the wrong race, but I'd done it against my son and I wouldn't trade it for anything <laughs> in this world. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, I was down to 17 in the race before. And if I had won that round, who was it I ran? Can't think. But anyhow, at 17 cars, Ernie Hume, I was 001 red. If I win that round, then I wouldn't have got the. I wouldn't have got to run the gambler's race because that was the round where if you lost, you got to get in it. And so trading money for prestige, well, I could have sure used the other winning, but (laughs) I'll never forget that race to beat Jake right there in the finals to see us both. That was just crazy. And so then we let off in, I went like a month and a half everywhere we went. I was in winter's circle. Like, my car had never been so good. And then all of a sudden, it's like winning came sort of easy. And then we went a month, and I don't think I could get by the second round. You know what I mean? It's like I had went from this all-time high 
to now I can't even win around. And I'm still videoing and it's like, oh, Lord, how do you, you know, how do you put a smile on and still do what you do, you know? And, uh, but one thing led to another 2018. Then I go down and, and I run her up down in Florida, down there. You was actually there. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, you uh, were perfect on me at one point or something like that. Yeah, you know, refresh my memory. Did. I don't you remember, remember that? doing that. I don't remember doing that at all. No, sir. <laughs> well, well I, I know who does remember and his name's JJ. So he was in the tower, and I'm sure he was a little pumped up as you left, and that light was perfect. Yeah, probably so. so. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm sure of it, and I don't blame him a bit. But, uh, I mean, just flat laid a good whooping on me, perfect. Yeah, I don't know, maybe one above, me down there. I pulled everything that I could pull out of the hat, and it just wasn't any good. So I think I think your term on that's mathematically ineligible or something you know? i don't usually leave my opponents in that position believe me <laughs> yeah well, you got a really good job of it down there but anyhow i was fortunate enough in the other entry to go on to get runner up and then two weeks later i win the foot break frenzy at piedmont and wow when i back up and relate to that race the people that i had to beat to get there it's still just crazy. I mean, like the second round, I look over and the competition just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I can't even tell you all the names. I've gone blank that I went through. But, you know, I find myself in the finals against Kevin Pollard. And here's this guy that's won everything coming and going. You know, Nick Hastings was in there. Ernie Hughes was in that little equation. Uh, they was four or five of some of the best at what we do. Just back to back to back to back. And I remember thinking every time I'd look over, like, oh, wow, <laughs> your luck's run out. <laughs> your luck's run out. And they were thinking the same thing about you, buddy. Well, as drivers, we do that. You know what I mean? You're sure. exactly right. On the other hand, they're sitting over there looking over at me and probably thinking, God, man, we've got Fincham. Now I'm going to have to spot him out seven seconds. He's going to be over there rattling on about it. <laughs> you know what do we do <laughs> but yes that was just one of those races that like six rounds in a row i wouldn't have given myself a chance and uh the wind light just kept coming on so the racing gods were with me my race car was phenomenal that night now get get you that night i mean i put it to bed a winter it woke up with a cold it wouldn't run the bushel basket <laughs> two days later <laughs> I mean, it just wouldn't run the bushel basket. But we all go through those things. and But the memories of it will just never, ever go away. 2018 is going to go down for me from the World Footbreak Challenge and Jerry Pennington and Steve Stites race to Loose Rocker and, and what they got going on. And all the followers of Fast and Fincham, I can't thank them enough, uh, humbled. And like I said, just never would have imagined that this would get as big or turn into what it has. And I just hope that I can keep going, keep take it to the next level, keep growing it, keep giving back to our sport, the, the people that make it happen with Cook's Auto, uh, Collins Trucking, and RET, Be Cool, Velocity Carburetors. I'm in this competition now, Max the Tack, that I had never even heard of till this year. And I've made the top 25. I felt like I'd won a million dollars, <laughs> you know, and 
there's a chance that I'm going to get to tote around the, one of the nicest trailers in the country from one of the great trailer builders of the world. You know, yeah. uh, I have a chance to possibly tote that around. And man, would that just be awesome. Promote that for a second, Rodney. How can our listeners help you in that pursuit? You Google Max the Tack, Max, T-H-E-V, Tack. Go on there and vote for Old Fast and Fincham. Look my name up, Rodney Fincham. We're in the top 25 right now uh, out of I don't know how many. I just thought that was crazy that I actually made that. We're going to be voting till next Wednesday, I think it is. And then we're going to cut it down to the top 10. And so if we're lucky enough to make the top 10, we get to do a little three-minute video or less. And as we all know, you know, I can't wait to hopefully get to do that. And, you can't uh, introduce uh, yourself in three minutes, Hot Rod. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to have a really hard time, you know, squeezing 45 minutes in three minutes. Uh, you guys know me. I'll do it somehow. Figure it out. And, uh, but yes, Max the Tack, and there's 25 of us still there. Just go on there and check it out. Producer it, Mark, just let us know. He's going he's gonna to drop a link on the Facebook page. So all our listeners, that'll be the easiest way to vote for Rodney. Fincham. Before we just cut you loose here, Jed said it earlier, like, and I think he speaks, he certainly speaks for me. I think he speaks for everybody listening when he said that we just love to hear you tell the story. And I know Jed was talking about a specific round and I realized that I might be putting you a little bit on the spot here, but I just want to turn the mic off for however long you want to go, Hot Rod. What's your best story from the 2018 season? <laughs> wow, 2018 season. Well, obviously, you know, I've already touched base on it a little bit. To go through the crowd at the World Footbreak Challenge and run Jake in the final, uh, very emotional moment for me. I mean, I was fortunate enough that he goofed the finish line up and let me win. But on the other hand of that, he was out there wanting to play it on old dad so that we could brag about it and he could show the old man who the kid was. And in all reality, we don't know who the best driver is. It's not me, it's him. And, uh, but I, I just can't top that one as far as memories and what have it. But the footbreak frenzy and that whole little story right there, we, it was cold as all get out. I think when we went down the track in the finals, it was 33 degrees. And Pollard's over there dialed on a 528. And I go back and watch that run. I was fortunate that he was 005 red there. I was 028, my normal little 02. And I go out and I look in the mirror and to watch him leave and try to figure out, if, am I going to have a chance? And when he goes red, I quit. And then you can hear in the video where he just, I mean, you can hear him coming. And then he, he's like the rest of us. When you go red, you're a little upset, you know, and oh, he's running the life out of that thing. When he came by me, I was probably running, I don't know, 35 mile an hour, and he was probably already running 120. And I remember thinking, well, if he'd have lost that, <laughs> this would have got ugly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was just crawling out there, you know. But I was already over there fist pumping, trying to tell a story, wanting to cry. I just won the biggest race in my career, and I don't know. But that whole little trip, we had won 20 grand. We get in the victory lane there and I celebrate and make a little video and I didn't even mention my dad in the whole video there like you know when I got home he's like well dang on son you don't think a whole lot of me I said daddy you gotta 
put in perspective. I just won the biggest race in my career. I didn't know what I said and how I said it and when I said it. I don't know. I was just rattling on. And so Lord would have had it the next day was just a rain out. So here's 300 people at the racetrack with nothing to do other than relate and tell stories. And so here we had 120 grand and we were sleeping in the truck. We had a tarp thrown over it, gets down in the twenties, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And everybody kept riding up and they're like, man, surely you just didn't win last night sleeping that truck. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, we did. He said, man, you really that tight? And I said, well, no, I said, we went to Hooters and blowed 150 bucks. You know what I mean? But you know, we just didn't need anywhere to sleep. We had a perfectly good place to sleep. And so just in general, Every trip that I made in 2018, making videos, making memories, laughing, cutting up, I I met so many people this year that relate to the videos. That's going to be my best story of 2018 is the fact that the followers and, and all the support and everything that people have gave us uh, as a team or as whatever you want to call us is just phenomenal and that alone is the story of my racing career to this point i just won't ever forget the support that people have gave us but the last time that jim's had me to tell a story i skipped the one of the minivan and i'm just going to have to tell it here i was back in the day 10 years ago i don't know hang on hang on rodney rodney hang on just a second if you're listening to this interview stop what you're doing and pay attention (laughs) <laughs> there's none any better than this. Go ahead, Rodney. So the hot rod was tore up for whatever reason. And, you know, I had the family Dodge minivan. We showed up to the local racetrack, just going to watch. We were just going to show up on a Friday night. We roll in the gate and there is so many people. There are so many people uh, there, you know, and I thought, man, I ain't going to tell them what this is going to pay. And I asked her, I thought, how many people you got? They're in line getting ready to race. You know, I mean, the race is fixing to start. And so I've got, Jake and the little man and the girlfriend and all the family in the van. And I said, how many, how many people's in that? She says, like 30. I said, shoot, that'll pay $1,000. I said, give me a run ticket. She said, where are you going to run? I said, this van. She said, you're going to run that. She said, they're not going to give you a time trial. I said, well, they'll do buybacks. I said, shoot, I'll, I can lose twice and that'd be time trials. <laughs> so we buy that thing in and Lord and me have it, I get runner up. You know what I'm saying? I get to split $1,000 with this cat. We've made 500 bucks with the minivan here. And so this thing was actually pretty good, except it wanted to spin a little bit. When you'd leave it, you know, it'd screech your tires because it'd throw all the weight to the back. So we're going to Bristol the next week, and, and I called my buddy up from Bristol, and I'm like, man, I, you know, he was the star at streetcars. I mean, anybody that could uh, uh, win a, uh, uh, a world final and fly to Vegas and rent him a Jeep Cherokee and win that too is the man with streetcars. And so I called him up and, and I asked him, I told him what was going on and told him this thing was pretty good, but it wanted to spin a little bit. And he said, let me ask you something. He said, this thing got leaf springs under the back? I said, sure does. He said, I've got it. He said, go to Walmart and buy you two of the cheapest basketballs you could find. And I said, do what? He said, go buy you two basketballs. And I said, what am I going to do with them? I'm not playing basketball. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make my van better. He said, I'm telling you, this will work. 
And uh, so I do. I've done what he said. I went and got some basketballs. I show up at the racetrack, and he tells me to deflate them and put them up and under the leaf springs and hire them up. And Tim Griffith is who I'm talking about, just in case anybody hadn't got that figured out. And so I do what he tells me. I hire these basketballs up and hit jack that van up in the rear. It looks like Astro Space Machine. I mean, this thing's jacked up. And so, Lord and behold, I'm running two classes, quarter mile and eighth of mile. We're down to eight cars in each class, and I've not been beat yet. I mean, I'm just wiring them out in this old minivan. It's just deadly. And so I'm sitting in the quarterfinals. And it's time to pull out. And Ryder at the time was still in diapers. And Jake at this time is about 15, 14. And he would hold Ryder for me while I'd make the run. And so Ryder has, uh, he has had a, a bad, a really bad accident. Like, I mean, number two is a going everywhere. It's coming out the sides. <laughs> it's coming out the top. And they're hollering at me like, it's my time to pull out. And Jake's got him held out like he's a bomb. He's like, Dad, I can't do it. I can't do it. I said, son, you got to hold him till I get back. He said, Dad, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I said, okay. I opened the sliding door, and I lay him down in the back seat. And now, mind you, they're waiting on me to pull on the racetrack. Like, they're hollering at me, let's go, Fincham, let's go, you know. And I'm like, man, you're going to give me a second. And so Cowboy comes back there. He's running the staging lanes. He said, man, what are you doing? And he sees me changing this diaper. I said, man, I've had a blowout. You're going to have to give me a second. So he gets on the radio, and he's like, all right, you're going to have to give Fincham a minute here. So he's changing the diaper. And they said, he's doing what? I said, well, he's changing the diaper. So you can hear a laughing in the tower. And so needless to say, they get on the mic, and they want to apologize for the holdup that Fincham's down here changing the diaper <laughs> in the staging lanes before he can make his run. So I go out and win the run, and I ended up getting runner-up in one class, and I win the other with basketballs up and under the back of the van as uh, them stiff shocks. <laughs> and it worked like a top, all but one run. And I get down there at the finish line, and I set this thing down real hard, and it almost spits one of those basketballs out. Like, I mean, it's just barely hanging on. And I came back, and, and everybody's like, Man, what were you going to do if, it, if that basketball fell out? I said, I was going to stop and get it. I was going to need it for the next round. But I could only imagine if that basketball had came out on Bristol Dragway and went to bouncing down that racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's so, a violation or not. <laughs> well, as long as it happened after the finish line, I think I was going to be okay. You know what I mean? But before the finish line, maybe that was a default. I don't know. But either way, man, uh, Tim Griffith put me on it, and it worked. I won one class, runnered up in the other, changed the diaper in the uh, quarterfinals, in the staging lanes, and held the race up for like a two minutes. <laughs> so, and done it in a Dodge minivan. And so they still laugh me out of the place. Every time I show up, they want to know if I got basketball. <laughs> Great story, Rod. I, I, I've heard it before, but I still loved every minute of it. Nobody can oh, yeah. tell it or do it like you did. Well, and everything that I do or say or the stories, always we can thank somebody for it. So Tim Griffiths for the basketballs, we can't thank him enough, whether it be <laughs> FTI or, or Mickey Thompson, RET, Be Cool, Velocity, Max Attack, just whatever. You know what I mean? There's... Uh, Jeff Lambert, Armed Forces Racing, Cook's Auto, 
Collins trucking, my family, there's always somebody to thank for it and uh, or the stories would never happen. Yeah, and I've seen a new rear end going in that car too, so while you're plugging them, you, you might better get that one. Well, uh, that that was another story in itself uh, that that I was definitely going to touch base on. Uh, FTI, when I went to the PRI show, you know, I, I talked to you a little bit out there. The PRI show was just great to me. Greg with FTI introduced me to so many people, and one of those people was Clayton from uh, Chassis Engineering. And uh, obviously, going back to my story of when I fixed your brakes and I was under your race car. A, a pecking on your rear end, you know, and blah, blah, blah. You're out there about to puke. Well, now I've got one of those rear ends. Yes, uh, you do. Uh, Clay- Clayton seen that we were in bad need of some help, and Greg with FTI got me hooked up with him. I went down to Florida, done a little walk through. I'm just shocked at what Clayton and, and Chatty Engineering's got going on. A uh, great group of people doing a lot of hard work, and uh, – shoot, man, he, he, he seen an opportunity to help us out, and, and man, did he ever. He has sent me something that the hucklebuck and may be gone, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's going to be crazy <laughs> to say, but I really think we're on to something here. Like, maybe somebody besides me can even drive it. Steve Foley, I scared him to death. The, 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 he's run 520s, 470s, you name it, he's drove it, and nine seconds at Bristol scared him more than anything, you know. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to have to go to the sand track before he was going to get this thing stopped. I mean, he was a hucklebuck, and he come back. He was white knuckled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Looked like a hoot owl. Yeah. So maybe Chassis Engineering and Clayton and the group right there is going to get this thing drivable for everybody. Uh, me and Jake pays it no attention, but I've had three or four people drive that thing in the last year or so, and they just get out and say, "Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Thank you, but no thanks." <laughs> Well, I'm sure those folks are proud to be on board with you, Hot Rod, as is everyone. That's, uh, you know, it's, again, it's it's awesome seeing what you've done, what uh, awareness you bring in our sport, and certainly what you've done with your own racing program and for yourself and Jake. And so awesome job of that, and appreciate you sharing a lot of that information with us and, and how those things have happened and how they're going. But we're done with the, the main course of this interview, but you know that we got the rapid fire segment that we have to ask you a few questions here, get your answers to, and that'll finish us up. I know you're up for it. Oh, yes, sir. Can't wait. All right. So you talked a little bit earlier about sleeping in the truck and you won a $20,000 race and you got back in the truck and went to sleep and it was freezing temperatures. And I've seen some of your sleeping arrangements at the racetrack and they're some of them been pretty rough. I ain't gonna lie to you. Where's the worst well, I, place you've ever slept? Well, I, I, there you go with them stories. You know, back back in the day, uh, one of the funniest ones that I've got. We I was down in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, it was in the middle of July. And obviously, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, I think it was still a hundred and two. So it was just a little bit warm <laughs> for inside the truck. And so it was a beautiful evening, and uh, so I just sort of made me a little caught up and under one side of my open trailer. You know, I crawled up under that so that I wouldn't get wet. And so uh, I snuggled in there, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't the softest bed I've ever made, but it was dry. It was up under the trailer, and it was a little cooler. So uh, I woke up that next morning, and somebody's pulling in to park right beside me. And obviously, they can't miss the fact that I'm asleep up and under the trailer. 
I wake up, I crawl out from under the trailer there, and you know, and they they get out, and they finally get their nerve up to come back there and ask me, like, man, really, did you just did you sleep there all night? I just jump all over it. I'm like, yeah, man, I drove all the way down here from from the other side of Tennessee, and uh, I drove like a pansy. I said that, you know, I I, I mean, I never should have gotten beat, and I never went around. So I said, I figured I didn't deserve to sleep very well, so I just decided to sleep up under that trailer. And I don't, I, I believe those old fellas about died laughing. And he, and and his buddy said, Charlie, he said maybe that's what me and you need to start doing. If we don't drive good, we'll sleep under the trailer. He said, you can sleep under the trailer if you want, but I'm going to the motel. So, so that might have been one of my worst arrangements right there, but. Uh, the, the memory that goes with it was very well worth it. What is the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? Obviously, uh, be thankful that we woke up, but pull the covers back up over my head and, and let's just say that we didn't get enough sleep and sleep all day. But uh, <laughs> uh, never enough sleep for me. Like, I'm a night owl, and uh, anytime I got to get up early in the morning, whether it's to go out and run the first round of the foot break frenzy or the world foot break challenge, I'm not a morning person, son. I'm I'm like, leave me alone for just a few minutes. And I'm going to have to start doing videos of that because it ain't always hunky-dory with me. You know, like that's the time that people would get to see the part of me they don't like. <laughs> so you talked about being a night owl. Plays into one of your other talents that you have. If you could do it for a living, would you rather play cards or race? Race, bar none. Obviously, uh, I think uh, when I wasn't even born, you know, my dad was already street racing and this and that and the other. And so I was a racing even when I wasn't even born, I believe. And it was bred into me. It's all I think about goes back to, you know, what Luke, just the question he just asked me when I wake up, I'm thinking about what I could do to this race car or what week's coming up or where I'm going. Or It's always something about racing for me. It's all I think about when I wake up. It's all I think about when I'm going to bed. So racing, hands down. I love to play poker, and uh, but it's racing, hands down. Finish this sentence for me, Hot Rod. When I dance, I look like... Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump, son. Uh, if I ever get to do the walk down the quarter mile or eighth of a mile like they do on NHRA and do my victory dance, it'll be Forrest Gump. <laughs> All right, where is your favorite place to race? I race so many places. Favorite place, uh, Buffalo Valley in Middle Tennessee just seems to be the one that every time I pull in, I feel like I'm at home. It just reminds me so much of my childhood, the racetrack. They do a phenomenal job with it. The people that run it are just absolutely amazing to me. And I just feel at home every time I go down there. So Buffalo Valley, Middle Tennessee is going to get my vote for one of my favorite places to pull in and race. One last question. This is more for the, the unindoctrinated, for those that don't maybe speak affluent fast and fincham. In your own words, <laughs> quick definition, hucklebucking. When you're down there and uh, you've accidentally got on the brakes just a little bit too hard and you don't know if it's possible that you overcome it. You're white-knuckled, you look like a hoot owl just like Foley did, 
But on the other hand of it, the wind lights on, so you're driving one-handed and you're fist pumping with the other one. You know, when I when I put the perfect run down on Seth Phillips at the World Footbrake Challenge, I was in that very situation. If you'll go back and watch the video and watch it really strong at the finish line, I had set this thing down fairly hard the last three or four feet, and this thing is a rocking two feet side to side. And if Motor Mania, anything that you watch, if you'll really focus after I go through the finish line, this thing is in rough shape, but I feel as comfortable as I did when I was laying in the bed that morning. I'm fist pumping. I know I put down a pretty good little run right there to beat him. I didn't obviously know that it was perfect, but I did call it sixth hour better when I seen the dead zero on the board. I knew that I had mowed that over, and little did I know that it was perfect till I seen Jeff Birdie looked like he had won the million again at the, at the ET booth. And I knew when he was doing that, that I had just put down something special. So huckle bucket, <laughs> white knuckled and looking like a hoot owl after you've accidentally got on the brakes just a little too hard. <laughs> well done, Hot Rod. Congratulations on all the success that you had in 18 and all the the wonderful things that are coming your way for your racing program. And thank you, bud, for taking some time to join us tonight. You, you made the show, you saved it. Luke and I had it headed in the wrong direction and you absolutely saved it. And we can't thank you enough. Well, I tell you what, Luke, Jed, uh, I always look forward to seeing you at the racetrack. Uh, I look forward to talking with you on the show. I enjoy what I do and I do it with passion. And uh, I just hope that 2019 is anywhere close to 2018. And even if it's not, I'm going to be the same person. I'm going to be just as happy. I'm going to bring the show to everyone the best that I can. I'm going to show winning. I'm going to show losing. I'm going to try to bring sportsmanship, everything to the table, and just hope that I can put my piece or my stamp on the world of bracket racing that we love. And that's what it's all about. No doubt in our mind, you'll accomplish that goal, my friend. Thank you for taking some time for us tonight, Hot Rod. Well, I sure do appreciate both of you. I can't wait to run into you. We'll reminisce. And then on the other hand, hats off to you guys for what you do for, for bracket racing uh, on all stages, from promoting to this show that brings things back to us. Uh, we can't thank you and uh, Luke enough and everybody involved for what you do. We appreciate that, my friend. Have a great one, bud. Good luck next time out. All right. I sure do appreciate you. And anytime you need us, just let us know. We're always glad to help. Will do, Hot Rod. Fast and Fincham. Appreciate you joining us, bud. Have a great night. All right. Max the tack. Max the tack for old Fast and Fincham. Vote, vote, vote. Thank you, man. Alright guys, that wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, BTE, and this is Bracket Racing Elite. We appreciate all those guys do for us, and be sure to use those companies when you are in need of the services and products that they offer. And uh, certainly, special thanks out to Fast and Fincham, Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham, for saving the show and joining us and telling us all about the things he's got going on in his program. It's great to have hot rod on the show hope you all enjoyed it i know you did luke this is the time that i've been missing it's shout out time the shout outs are officially back big jet i've been saving this up for three months so 
clarification from earlier, shout out to NHRA Division Two. That is the Southeast Division, formerly known as the Dixie Rebels. Mm. On the way of political correctness, probably for all the right reasons. Shout out to Division Two. Shout out, Big Jed, to David Bell, who, as you mentioned previously, did well. David <laughs> Bell did well, just in case you thought I might have missed that. It got him. Shout out to uh, Maverick Palmetier and uh, and family. And shout out to Mavericks everywhere. Uh, that's awesome. Shout out to, speaking of families, shout out to the Torres family. Shout out to the McClanahan family. And while we're on the subject of California families, let's shout out the Rizzoli family and the Fishley family and the Langdon family, the Seipel family. I go junior drag. We'll shout out the Poe family. Probably some others that I'm missing. Shout out to, or, or maybe, what is it, Happy Trails to Lucas Walker's wheelie. Missed that, <laughs> but probably worked out for the better. And, of course, I mean, I've got a page full of notes here from the Fincham interview, but uh, I'll try to keep them brief. I'll, shout out to, to Hot Rod, number one, or yeah. to Rodney Fincham. Shout out to Fincham's mama. Shout out to Cheap Nitrous and the choke table. The choke cable. That was epic. <laughs> I'd never heard of that. I mean, I, I've heard of opening the, the, the secondaries, but Cheap Nitrous was a new term to me. I like that. I want to shout out the Mira. That's that's what Fincham used to look back at his opponent. It was the mirror. Shout out, uh, shout oh, out to the minivan for sure. AKA the Astro Space Machine. Shout out to the Astro Space Machine. <laughs> shout out to basketballs everywhere. Shout out to blowouts, which was was, was also part of the basketball story. <laughs> shout out to Forrest Gump. And last, but certainly not least, last in the show, but first in our heart, shout out to Hucklebucking. <laughs> Possibly the best shout out round, or round of shout outs ever in the history of this show. And you actually do listen well. Man, you, you caught some really good things in there for your shout out list. <laughs> Guys. Be sure to tell us what you think. Message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can at either Luke or myself right there on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be talking to you again soon. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in it. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling 
not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers. That's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.